This Africast is sponsored by Gizu. Generator or UPS? Now there's another option with Gizu Portable Power Stations. Don't get left in the dark with Stage 6 load shedding and power your electronics with a Gizu Portable Power Station available at takealot.com. Everybody and welcome to another edition of the Africast. My name is Brendan Lotz and joining me today is Robin Chetty. Howdy. And Louis Monzon. What's up? How are you guys doing? Uh, coping with stage six load shedding? As well Not as really. we can. Not, Not really, <laughs> no. <laughs> Yourself, Louis? Uh, yeah, not really. No, okay, no. yeah. No, no, I don't think anybody is. Um, and uh, because of that, we've brought in two guys from Syntech, Craig and Ryan, who are going to chat a bit about Gizu. You guys know Gizu? You've heard I'm of the I'm familiar with the brand. We're familiar with the brand. If you don't know, Gizu manufactures a range of power stations, I believe they call them. Um, battery backups that can uh, power your your TV, maybe even your laptop computer for a while during load shedding. Uh, but we'll chat about that and um, how to properly care for these battery backups and all that a little bit later in the Africast. But let's first get to the news of the week. Let's start with you, Louis. Um, there's some uh, there's some opportunities for folks who want to install solar power. Is that correct? Yeah, indeed. Um, so. Um, Gauteng has been kind of planning, uh, the provincial government has been planning to, like, to figure out ways how to reduce the stages of load shedding across the province for quite a while now. Um, they're, they're investing millions upon millions of rands uh, to find kind of um, alternative power uh, sources and you know ways to save energy and stuff like that. One of, one of the initiatives that City Power was doing was um, they're going to start replacing uh, street street lights with uh, with solar powered ones. Um, yeah, no one's going to steal those. <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> so we'll see if that works. Um, and then another initiative that kind of became um, more fleshed out in recent days was uh, the Premier Panyaza Lesufi. He said that uh, Gauteng is going to be training six thousand unemployed youth youths. Uh, is gonna, they're going to teach them how to install solar panels specifically solar panels. Um, and uh, well, he said that yesterday, um, uh, later on in the day, he had like a media sp- uh, media talk, he talked to the media, and then he kind of gave more detail into what the whole thing is gonna be about. Um, so basically, uh, Hao uh, Teng uh, in, um, hold on, let me find the name of this company. Hauteng, in partnership with the Manufacturing, Engineering, and Related Services Sector Education and Training Authority. That's Mercita. A, Mercita. That's a, it's, a, it's a mouthful. Um, will be training 6,000 unemployed youths over a three-year period. Um, they will be training these uh, the youths in... in so the youth, youths, the term youths in, in youths. quotation is anyone under 35 years. Um According to Gauteng, um, they will be trained uh, in over a three-year period um, in cohorts. So not all 6,000 people will be trained at the same time. Um, it'll be in stages. Um, and more importantly, uh, for you know, if you're looking for a job, if you're looking for something to do, um, there will be a stipend paid to the to these individuals who go on who undergo the training. Um, the stipend will be starting at 4,000 rand, um, and you will be a monthly stipend. I'd rather say. And uh, if you 
if you come uh, if you apply and you have prior experience with photovoltaic technology or you have um, prior certifications uh, your stipend can be increased up to 7,000 rand um, and I you know obviously this is uh, a good news for if you're you know obviously South Africa has such a big unemployment rate yeah it's a good news for people who are looking for something to do obviously 6,000 individuals is not a lot it's like a drop of water in the greater ocean yeah. of unemployment uh, but you know any little bit helps um, uh, it uh, there's a quite a bit of uh, requirements in, uh, involved, especially since this is a Houteng only thing. Uh, you have to be uh, uh, as not only a South African resident, um, but you also have to have matriculated in Houteng. So you need a matric certificate, and you need to matriculate in in a Houteng school. I mean, that just seems silly because. Like, I understand you have to be a South African citizen, right? That right. makes sense. But to be a Gauteng citizen, I mean, people move from province to province all the time. Also, the matriculation can be difficult for a lot of people as well. I mean, some people just only have their grade 10 kind of thing. Yeah. I forget the name of the qualification mean, now, but yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah Panyaza, you haven't thought this one through, my man. Yeah, so you have to be matriculated and you have to um, uh, be from uh, Gauteng. Maybe he must stop going and talking at... Um, football press conferences because yeah. I know he was there yesterday he took over the show but I mean I Panyaza Lesufi is a um, you know pol politics aside he's very uh, he has a lot of lofty ideas <laughs> yeah he does um, so uh, about that uh, so apparently the, this whole initiative um, which involves uh, it involves the University of Johannesburg, the Akureleni West TVET College, the Shwane TVET College, and the South African National Defense Force in some capacity, will cost Gauteng taxpayers 175 million rand. What? Yep. To train these people. Um, and then you'll be asking, what, what for? What is the end goal of training these individuals? Uh, well, the Premier hasn't really said. But what is kind of looking like is that he's uh him and the provincial government like i said earlier they're looking for ways to kind of reduce the burden of load shedding um and one of these ways is uh in february he mentioned that um Gauteng is going to start rolling out more solar paneling on public schools public hospitals uh places like that so but i mean surely that's also going to fall to a tender process right they're not going to hire the folks that they're just trained i mean it feels like that's something that's going to have to be tended for which is just like it defeats the purpose of training the people yeah I, I i i get what you're saying i i i super agree there seems to be like this disconnect right yeah. i'm going to train these people and we need uh solar panels but in between those two things there's like missing pieces of information. Yeah. yeah, and that has been the whole thing with Lesufi. He has a lot of great ideas or you know lofty ideas. He's going to get drones to fight crime, and he's yeah. going to. He's hiring a bunch of crime prevention wardens. I'm you know I'm using quotations here, um, but there isn't. There's missing pieces to these puzzles. Yeah, uh, and I suppose the only thing we'll have to do is wait and see if uh, it proves you know it proves like it's gonna end up helping with load shedding in some way. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm very doubtful of that. But yeah, maybe, maybe I'm just a naysayer. Maybe I'm too old, you know. Maybe I'm not youthful enough, <laughs> having been born 36 years ago. Uh, and that's excluding me from that, that moniker. Damn.
Um, right, before we get to some good news, let's chat a bit about some more bad news. Uh, the Writers Guild of America, if you've heard that name before, it's probably for good reason, uh, but they embarked on a strike this week um, after they failed to reach an agreement with the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers. Um, the pair have been locked in negotiations for a while now um, with the Writers Guild of America uh, trying to get better payments for writers who write shows for the likes of Netflix, Amazon, Apple, Disney, Discovery Warner, NBC Universal, Paramount and Sony um, in the era of streaming. Um, Apparently, according to the uh, the Writers Guild of America (WGA), over the course of the negotiation, we explained how the company's business practices have slashed our compensation residuals and undermined our working conditions. Our chief negotiator, as well as writers on the committee, made clear to the studio's labor representatives that we are determined to achieve a new contract with fair pay that reflects the value of our contribution to company success and includes protections to ensure that writing survives as a sustainable profession. We advocate on behalf of members across all sectors, features, episodic television, and comedy variety, and other non-primetime programs by giving them facts, concrete examples, and reasonable solutions. It appears, though, that those neg negotiations reached an impasse and uh, WGA ordered its members to down tools and go to the picket lines. Um, so this has happened once before, mm -hmm. uh, notably from the 5th of November 2007 to the 10th of January 2008. And that 100-day-long strike um, is something that is still memorable to this day. And you can see the, the effects of. Uh, if you go to shows that were being recorded during that time, notably Lost, Supernatural, The Office, Heroes, Breaking Bad, and Grey's Anatomy, you'll note that uh, a couple of those seasons are shorter than they were originally tended to, and more telling, the quality of those shows was not noticeably worse off uh, because there was a writer's strike going on at the time. However, um, at around that time, we saw the rise of really bad reality TV show. Um, the likes of Big Brother and The Amazing Race were greenlit by CBS at the start of the strike in 2007. Um, but it's a very different time to yeah. 2007. We're now in an era where streaming, um, the streaming wars are in full force and subscribers are constantly asking for more, better, new content. And a writer's strike kind of hampers that. Uh, and I think that the writers actually have the studios by the short and curdies this time around. Um, because you can go to non-union writers, but we've seen in the past that that doesn't really work. Um, particularly with Lost, where they were kind of already making things up as they were going. When the writer's yeah. strike hit, they now had writers who had no idea what was going on trying to, to make that show work. Um, so, yeah, this, this could be very bad for Hollywood uh, if they don't bow to the demands of the WGA. Um, the question is whether they will, because it's clear that the... Um, the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers doesn't really seem to be all that bothered by this um, because the strike is now entering a, a full week. Right. Um, so yeah, I don't know if they really care because it feels like they could literally just hire more writers for new shows mm. or, you know, turn to chat GPT and right. have that auto-write well, episodes for you. Hallucinations. And yeah. <laughs> I mean, like... I. I tend to side with the writers on this, on this because as a writer myself, I understand that it's a, it's an often thankless job and people are quick to criticize you without 
realizing how tough of a job it is. Um, there was a local publication recently who was sold off to questionable owners. Um, and a couple of people who thought that they could write tried their hand at it and discovered that it was not as easy yeah. as putting a couple of words on a page. Yeah. Um, and when you're writing for TV shows and movies, it's even worse, mm. you know, like your, your stuff is in the eyes of the public. So I tend to side with the writers on this. I hope that they get fairly compensated that um, the matter of streaming become, gets addressed because it does feel like content is a lot more um, disposable nowadays. Mm. I mean, can you guys remember what happened in the first season of Supernatural? I mean, not Supernatural, Stranger Things? No. No. Can you remember the last show that you watched on Netflix? Man. Uh, Finland Saga. Finland Saga. Yeah. Okay. I'll be honest and say I can't. Um, and if I do watch stuff on Netflix, it's usually older stuff. I yeah, that's true. You're going to see a lot more, like you mentioned, that kind of quote-unquote trash reality TV. Yeah. Crop up on Netflix. But I do wonder if that's even like something that people want. Because, I mean... Like, Netflix does make reality TV, like Love is Blind, um, The Circle, or a couple of others. Uh, but they don't tend to do very well. Yeah, the like, big, yeah, biggest shows are always the the, the narrative-based yeah. stories, like Stranger Things. Yeah, know? and I mean, yeah, we'll have to see what happens here. Um, like, with the pandemic affecting show production and now writers going on strike, mm. it's not good for Hollywood at the moment. Um, that having been said, segue, um, we got a new trailer this week, Robin. That's right. Um, the trailer for Doom Part 2. Uh, I kind of preface my story by saying that pretty much everyone in our office loved the, the yeah. 2021 yeah. film. Uh, it film. was a feast for the eyes and the ears and everything else. And um, like you mentioned, the film's release was around uh, when HBO Max was kind of coming to yeah. the fore and there were issues... Uh, the director Denis Villeneuve he kind of mentioned that he wasn't really a fan of HBO Max didn't like how films were being released and yeah. it was up for debate whether a sequel to Dune was going to happen mm. thankfully uh, Sena has prevailed and we are indeed getting the part 2 part 2 is currently scheduled for release in cinemas on 3rd of November so I already have that week blocked up <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah the, the part 2 trailer hopefully this is we're not going to get too much stuff. I, I would like for the for the producers or whoever's in charge of this kind of stuff to kind of pull back a bit, not show off too much. Yeah. Because we did see quite a bit in the trailer. Um, mm -hmm. Now, part two obviously picks up at the end of part one. Um, Paul Atreides is now kind of coming up through the ranks of the Fremen. Mm -hmm. uh, his relationship uh, with that kind of community and his... Um, is prophesied uh, coming as Lisin El Gaib, which is mm -hmm. a, the, the, the prophesied one. He is um, kind of coming into, into the fore now, uh, as far as that story is concerned. Um, the trailer as well also got, gave us a few glimpses of some new characters uh, that'll be kind of central to the entire story. Uh, one of which got to speak quite a bit, and that was Florence Pugh, mm -hmm. who will be playing Princess Urulan. Uh, anyone who's ever read the Dune books will know that uh, that princess often um, gives a bit of context before the start of each chapter. So it's almost as if she is telling Paul's story from her perspective. Mm. Um, and she gets to speak a bit as well. Um, we also get to see um, Elvis star, Austin Butler. He's mm -hmm. playing uh, Fade Rather, which is quite interesting because it's a pretty brutal character. I wouldn't have necessarily... Uh, <laughs> pegged him. Yeah, pegged him to be doing that. 
You also get to see uh, Leia Sadu, who is uh, one of the more recent Bond girls. Uh, she's playing Lady Margot. And I don't think we see him in the trailer, but uh, Christopher Walken will be yeah. playing uh, the, the Padishah Emperor. Okay. Oh, what? It will be really interesting to see. Uh, so sick. I had no idea. We also That's awesome. got to see uh, Gurney Halleck, which is um, Josh Brolin's character. Yeah. So uh, in the... F- in part one and again I'm not spoiling the books have been out for yeah, 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 yeah yes. years, um, <laughs> no spoilers yeah <laughs> with the Harkonnen attack mm-hmm. and then you don't necessarily know what happens but clearly he's survived yeah um, so yeah uh, it looks like uh, the gang's back <laughs> the gang's all back they are all over the place I think kind of doing their own thing and one of the obviously I guess the crescendo of the trailer kind of showed a Paul Atreides riding a sandworm mm. yeah and you had uh, you had uh, Javier Bardem's character still uh, kind of like talking through the process, and he's kind of pretty much verbatim saying from the novel, which is obviously a nice little nod as well. Yeah. And yeah, uh, my man is writing the same. <laughs> so yeah, it, it should be really good. Uh, like I said, hopefully they aren't releasing too much more footage apart from what we've seen already. Again, I'd, I'd like to for I guess people that aren't familiar with the books. To kind of, kind of go a bit blind. It's also just a spectacle to watch the movie, you know. Yeah. Like even like the the scenes that we saw in the first part, or the, in part one, um, which just them like talking. Like the set pieces were just so beautiful to look at. The cinematography was great. The CGI was fantastic. And like I don't want to, I don't want that. I don't want a trailer to take away from that, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think Warner Brothers has been guilty of that, especially with their superhero stuff. Oh my goodness, yeah. Just I mean, even the riding the sandworm, I kind of wish that they had, they hadn't done that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like up until the point, like even just him, like leading the Fremen, like that scene at the end with him holding the dagger up, like that would have been fine. That would have gotten me hyped out the wazoo that you didn't need to do the sandworm. But I mean, the fact that they did was pretty cool. And I suppose you need something to lure people into the cinema. And I think Zendaya fans can rest easy. You will see more of Zendaya. Yeah. yeah. And to be fair, the movie is not about Zendaya. No, it is. It's, it's his story. Yeah, <laughs> it's his story. So, yeah. Uh, when is that releasing? That's 3rd November. I'm not too sure if it's going to be leading to a part three. Um, again... Uh, I'm not too sure they can finish everything, but the fact that the Emperor isn't yeah. does lead me to believe that this might be a two-parter. They might lean on the other books. For I feel like parts. I feel like you have to do a trilogy. I feel like that's just Hollywood. Yeah, thing. especially if this one makes a lot of money. You know, yeah, no, whatever Dini yeah. wants to do. <laughs> yeah yeah it's very good right so that's going to wrap up our news um we're now going to move to an interview that we did uh with syntec about gizu um if you have any questions about backup battery solutions and the like uh be sure to hang around and listen to that after this ad break gizu portable power stations can be charged up through mains power or solar so that you always have a backup when the power cuts hit Featuring full-size South African plug points and points for USB chargers, Gizu portable power stations keep you running when the electricity runs out. Visit takealot.com to get yours today. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Africast. My name is Brendan Lotz and uh, this week we have something a bit special for you. With uh, stage 6 load shading seemingly becoming a more and more common uh, effect in South Africa, uh, we thought we'd chat about battery backups. And to do that, we've brought in two folks from Syntec to chat about Gizu. Uh, good morning, Jen. How are you doing today? Very good in yourself. Fantastic. Um, maybe if you could just go around the room uh, and, and introduce yourselves uh, and what you do at Syntec. Sure. Uh, I'm 
Craig Lovitz and uh, I'm the CEO and uh, I also look after a lot of the new technology. And I am Ryan Martin. I'm the co-founder, look after sales and marketing, but also have been given the job as head of R&D, which in our business is research and destruction. So anything Craig finds, I, I play with and try to break. If it lasts through me, we're, we're okay for the market. So is that to make sure that it's, it's going to survive in the, the local markets with the perils? If it's Ryan-proof, it's, it's typically safe for just about anybody else. Right. So as I mentioned, uh, load, stage six load shedding is kind of a more and more constant feature in South Africa. Um, I don't know about you guys, but we're finding it very, very difficult to not only just manage day-to-day businesses or day-to-day goings on within the home, but um, also just keep business going. Um, how, guys have, how have you guys found load shedding like affecting your business? Have you guys had to make many different plans? Um, sure. Without a generator, we could not be running. Yeah. Um, so we have, uh, we have a generator at the office. Uh, we also have obviously UPSs, so uh, none of our, uh, our red flags and computers go down before the generator starts up. Yeah. But uh, yeah, currently because we're renting the premises, we we running a generator. We are looking at new premises where we'd probably go uh, solar and batteries. I mean, it's, it's quite bizarre that we're living in this day and age now, right? Where as a business, you don't need to just worry about doing business. You now need to also worry about how you power the equipment that you need. It, it's quite quite ludicrous, I must say. Totally, and I think the the you know big business can typically afford to to factor it into their operations. But what we've seen is so many smaller businesses really being affected. So mm. literally not being able to power their computers on, maybe not even lights in the stores. A lot of uh, you know, hair salons, for example, they they can't they can't power Operate, anything. Yeah. So uh, so it's been a huge focus for us to just work on solutions that are affordable, but uh, but able to help business to to get through it and, and and to continue operating without just being inundated with new overheads. Which leads us nicely, or segues us nicely into uh, Gizu, which is a product portfolio that you guys have at Syntec that you are the uh, you're the distributor for in South Africa, um, and they are quite wonderful little products. Um, Thank you. So you guys have a product that kind of ranges from everything to powering a router through load shedding right up until powering stuff that's up to, I, th- I believe it's 500 watts draw. At the moment, yes, uh, the moment. we've got some very exciting new things coming. But yeah, exactly right. I think what we've done is tried to understand what are the most frustrating problems and the, the you know the, the 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 biggest problems that we need to solve first and, yeah. and lighting and internet and kind of essential appliances was our first step and as we've developed feedback from the market we've continued to innovate uh, the Gizu range and, and bring in new products that are able to solve bigger uh, bigger needs and, and and more complex requirements so so I think you've kind of touched on it there is when you decided to bring Gizu into the country was it kind of a, a test initially was it like hey let's bring in these smaller products first see if it's something that the, the market is going to make use of and then invest further down the line so our, our first products that we, we brought in so Gizu products have actually been running for for some time but the first power products that we brought in was a was a mini UPS so the uh, requirement to have internet running at home uh, we saw as probably the the first and most important uh, device to bring in Um, that was roughly about two years ago Um, and then from there the the product range expanded but uh, we knew there was a demand for a a mini ups 
um, as a DC-based unit, so only powering DC and not AC. And uh, we were just fortunate to, to, to find the correct products in the right time in the market. But maybe, maybe let's rewind a little bit. Um, so Gizu as a brand, our philosophy has always been trying to cherry pick the absolute best technology that is available and bring it to South Africa at truly affordable prices. Mm. And, and I think the, um, the you know, Syntec as a distributor has been around for over 20 years. And oh, we've, wow. we, we've always, I know, it makes me feel old. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and uh, the, the, our philosophy has always been to identify the best products in the industry, mm. the best brands, and we typically uh, introduce those brands to market and, and distribute them with exclusive rights. And um, one of the things we found over the years is South Africa's got a market which has a real appreciation for top quality products, mm. but obviously being in Africa is a little bit more price sensitive to Europe and Americas. And so we found many of the best brands that, that are available globally are just unaffordable for most consumers here. So Gizu as a brand is, is, it was developed by Syntec. The rights are held in, in our, in our uh, Hong Kong office uh, with global trademarks. And we also have an office in Shenzhen that goes and visits China and uh, all the factories out. And over the years, we found the best sources mm. of all of these products that the factories that manufacture for the big brands bring them under the Gizu umbrella and we can typically bring the best quality products to market at the most affordable prices. Mm. And that philosophy we then introduced with power solutions as load shedding became an increasing problem in, in South Africa. So uh, something I want to just uh, ask really is when you first initially bought these products in South Africa, I'm sure the, uh, the popular perception of a battery power bank was a UPS as I knew them growing up, where it's a lead acid battery that'll power your computer for all of five minutes, and just beep, enough and, time. And beeps at you. Constantly, <laughs> all the time with that incessant, loud, high-pitched beep. Um, so what was, what was it like trying to introduce something that was a bit more robust um, into the South African market where I think the perception has always been that UPS is only last for five minutes. How would the Gizu really differ for the average South African? What was that like introducing this product into the market? Well, it was wonderful because, you know, <laughs> all we needed to do was say, well, what are the pain points and how can we make your life easier? Yeah. And, and, uh, and, and so, you know, we positioned those mini UPSs as, um, uh, as a much longer solution because the draw on a router is five to 15 yeah. watts. And so it was very easy for us to have an affordable solution that didn't beep and could run for several hours. Um, and the market, I think the, the fundamental requirement is actually knowing our customers and yeah. being able to listen to what the market requires and what people really need in their lives and not selling them what we have, but actually finding solutions that made, that, that made those real world problems uh, uh, livable or, or, or deliver a great solution around them. Mm -hmm. I think also around that point, when we, when we first looked at a product at a, at a mini UPS, we had to see what was available in the market in, in China. Yeah. Um, and at that point, they, the application wasn't really for the same as our South African market for, for fiber. And the, the first units that we brought in only had a, a single DC output. So you could only run uh, either 5, 9, or 12 volts on one device. Yeah. Um, and then once we had scaled to volume, we had to go back to the factory and redesign the unit and say, guys, 
we need two voltages up because you could have your little fiber box running yeah. at five volts and then your router is running at 12 volts. Yeah. So once we scaled up in volume, we could go back to the factory and redesign the unit. So that's what okay. we called an ODM, uh, an original design manufacturer. We, we yeah. go back to the factory and say, this is our specification, redesign the unit for us. And that becomes an exclusive uh, line for okay. this particular load. And obviously we'd cover the cost of the mold um, and the cost in producing the, the new device. Very, very interesting. And uh, what was what was consumer reception like? Were people very excited? Were they were they impressed at the fact that they had a UPS, which is not a UPS? We'll get to that in a second. But were they impressed that they had a, a backup solution that lasted them longer than a couple of minutes and didn't beep at them? I, I think the the people that as soon as they tested it, they they fell in love. Yeah. And and it's that's what, sorry, just yeah. to jump in. That's the wonderful thing about a product that just works as intended is when yeah. it works as intended, people are just impressed flat out because. Yeah, it's, it's almost rare to have a product that works as promised. No user intervention. You just leave it. You can yeah. put it away in a cupboard, and, and, and it just runs. So, so it's 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 not a unique problem because Syntex always introduced new innovative technology, and and very often products that the market or consumers don't even know they have a need for until mm. they've tested it, and and so it was wonderful. Because initially we were only speaking to a very few people, and yeah. and our, our our strategy in going to market was not only solving the problems, but making it very easy for your grandmother to be able to plug this into her own fiber box and router and be able to not need to you know call you over and uh, yeah. and set it up for her. And so, making that technology accessible and making it a real solution was 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 fundamentally important in our go to market strategy. And the the wonderful thing with that is that we haven't really needed to build the brand with above-the-line advertising, but our customers have become advocates, the brand ambassadors, mm. and have also given us the feedback that's driven further innovation, and we continue to innovate based yeah. on that feedback. I mean, I suppose that that's really helpful, having kind of control of the brand and being able to, like you say, be able to iterate, being an, uh, an ODM, was it, as you said, um, <clears throat> where you can kind of take feedback from the market and have it applied to a product in the next iteration or future iterations. Absolutely, and, and we do that on most of our products. Most international products uh, on power products are not designed to have three cycles a day. Mm. You know, when you look at these, these big power stations and, and stuff out there, they, they designed for the USA market to go camping twice a month. Yeah. Not, not to be hit with uh, 90 cycles in a month. Yeah. Um, so that also, when we started with the products, you know, we were stage two load shedding. We, we were stage six and three yeah. times a day. So over the last uh, year and a half, we've also had to adapt the products to be able to fast charge because you're having less amount of time between load shedding yeah. and last longer because you know instead of two hours we have to look at designing them to last four hours. Yeah, so I think that kind of leads us nicely into let's chat about Gizu and give South Africans a bit of information around these these power banks because um, I'm going to be the first to admit I don't understand these things and to me it's, it's it's a big power bank but I think that that attitude could be dangerous and could lead me down a path where I'm going to hurt myself or damage something in the process so I for my own kind of safety peace of mind I, I just want to chat about a couple of things so the first thing I want to chat about is um, a couple of months ago we had uh, we stumbled across something uh, regarding magneto lights um, where folks were leaving them plugged in and uh, they were shorting and this kind of led to fears about folks leaving things plugged in and uh, rightly so uh, especially with uh, stuff with things that have batteries um, but magneto came out said there was a wiring fault 
solved. The, the, the situation has been remedied. But I think it, for me what that spoke to was kind of the danger of these big battery-powered devices because at the end of the day, they are big batteries and they are storing a lot of charge. And I think that we need to treat them with the respect that they deserve. So what sort of safety things should people take into account before they purchase or bring a Gizu into their home? What, what should they be aware of? So maybe maybe not only Gizu, but just any yeah. brand. And I think the, the important thing to, to recognize is that lithium-ion batteries are renowned for not being safe. You know, yeah. there, there, there's a reason you can't fly with a power bank that's bigger than 20,000 milliamps, I think. Yeah. So, so there's, you're not allowed to fly with them. We cannot import uh, any of these power stations on, on an aircraft. We have to bring them in a container, and not just any container, a hazardous cargo container, oh, which wow. only certain shipping lines are able to bring in. And so, you know, the lithium, lithium-ion batteries are great because they hold their charge, they go right down to zero, they don't have battery memory, which was a problem that uh, we used to have with the old cycles. and, and um, there's a lot of really big positives to it, but uh, as you say, if, you know, fire is a is a real risk mm. with, with these. And so, I think with any um, w- w- with any lithium-ion products, making sure the the brand is reputable. It's mm-hmm. it's a known brand is is key because. Um, you want to know that the right compliance has been taken place. For us to certify a battery, we need multiple independent test reports. We need a letter of authority uh, from the NRCS, which is South Africa's regulatory body. Yeah. And, and and I think that you know that in itself, choosing choosing a good, reputable brand is going to be a first step for any consumer to know that the, 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 the product should have a lot of that compliance mm-hmm. in place. Um, then when it goes to, to, you know, to using the product, it's a good idea to make sure that it's not overloaded, to understand what the output is of the device. Um, many of them will are rated for up to 150 watts or 300 watts or 500 watts, not exceeding the draw. So don't plug a hairdryer in yeah. and expect <laughs> it to work. And, and, and I think consumers need to become aware of what the watts or the power requirements are for the appliances that they're plugging in. I think that's such an important thing because um, recently we, we did a, a piece about how to calculate what your uh, power draw of your home is and it occurred to us that quite a few people don't know how much power they are using um, which uh, is astounding to me but it's also not something that you would think about on any day-to-day basis it's, it's kind of like well I spend x amount on power every month and this is what I use and that's it but not paying attention to how much you're actually using on a day-to-day from appliance to appliance. Totally. I, mean, I got home the other day and my wife said, why are the lights flickering? She had the air fryer going <laughs> and she had, she had the oven going and I, I looked on, I'm, I'm lucky to have an app on my inverter at home yeah. and I was like, hang on, this thing's only rated for 5,000. Uh, and and, and, and uh, we're way over that. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, I think we all, we, we, we all can, can overlook those and, and take for granted the power yeah. and, and everything that's been functioning. So, so, Knowing what you're drawing is key. Mm-hmm. Also, making sure that you you're not plugging anything in that has a frayed cable uh, yeah. or any damage. You know, even with power banks, we've uh, we've seen many of the cases where a power bank is, has has uh, overheated or exploded, and the documented cases have often related to a faulty charger yeah. or a faulty input cable. Where where, where wow. uh, people don't realize, you know, you've got a frayed cable. You think, oh well, I'm not going to buy a new one. I'll just plug it, in, it, it in. It still yeah. works. 
don't use frayed cables. Just yeah. you just just buy a new one. Yeah, it's, yeah. You don't want uh, that charge jumping or shorting or causing the explosion. Absolutely. And then damages. Yeah. You know, if you if you drop to a power bank and you, and you see it's got a crack on it or, or stop using it. Damage it. Any type of damage. Yeah. Be advised to stop to stop using. So I think like one of the things that like I tell my friends and family when they are looking for a backup solution, specifically a battery backup solution, is uh, I tell them to kind of treat it as, put it in pride of place of your home where nobody's going to spill something on it, where you're not going to accidentally kick it over and potentially cause damage. Because I think that while these things are very convenient and they're very simple to use, I think that that kind of betrays the... Uh, the importance that you know, or the safety precautions that you need to take around them as well. Absolutely, and uh, heat is another concern. Yeah. So uh, keeping power stations out of the sun. Uh, oh, the, the, same with, the same with power banks. We've seen power banks uh, left on dashboards of cars. Which uh, yeah. um, gets very ugly. But yeah, heat, heat is the enemy of, of, of most batteries. Yeah. So keeping them in a, in a cool area. Uh, and out of the sun and uh, I think you know, a lot of the new power stations that we're bringing in can charge very quickly via solar mm. but don't go stick the unit outside yeah. with your solar panel exactly <laughs> so um, something I do just want to touch on very quickly is we, we spoke we touched on cycles and how lithium-ion kind of gives you more cycles and South Africa has you basically cycling three times a day here but um, so for our listeners that don't understand what a cycle is it's when you have a full charge to a discharge um, and I just want to ask regarding this is because I know with my my battery bank that I use to recharge my phone it recommends that you discharge it completely before charging it again is that the case with these battery backups should you be discharging them fully before charging them up again or could I discharge it to 50% and charge it to 50 what, what should I be doing so, so best practice is not to fully discharge an item okay so if you if you can uh, when it's down to one bar, rather rather recharge the device. Okay. And actually keeping it below 100% and above zero is actually the best lifespan for a battery. Okay. So like between one, uh, well, sorry, between like two and 99% or 98%. Or, 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 or 10 so and 90. 10%, 10% and 90%. Okay. So All right. A lot of these big inverters, and they say, you know, rather, rather keep your battery uh, below 100%. That's not so easy with us because... In South Africa, because you've got the device plugged in most mm. of the time, it is going to charge fully. Yeah. Um, but like you say on cycle, so first, lithium-ion batteries. So first, let's talk about lead. Okay. Uh, Lead-acid batteries. Lead-acid batteries have 500 cycles on average. Mm -hmm. Okay. If you don't run it below 50% charge. All right. right. So if you start running that battery below 50%, you're probably dropping down to 200 to 250 cycles. Okay. So if you've got a lead-acid battery and you're draining that sure. thing down to 10%, you probably got about 250 cycles. Divide that by three. Yeah. Those couple of days. Are, are not going to last. That's a lot yeah. of beeps in a UPS, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the difference with the first lead acid battery is you had 500 cycles, mm -hmm. but you could go from from 100% to zero, and you get your 500 cycles. The difference is okay. also on lithium. Once you've used up those 500 cycles, your battery's not dead. You'll have 80% capacity. Okay. Where on a lead acid battery, it's, it's gone. gone. It's yeah. Gone. Um, the lithium batteries have then improved a little bit that you now get a thousand cycles out of them. Okay. And we're already now switching over to LifePO4 yeah. or lithium ion phosphate that will go up to 3,000 cycles. Oh, wow. Okay. And, and that's from 100 to zero. If you're only going uh, to 50%, yeah. you're going to get six, seven, eight thousand cycles. Okay. So 
rather buy a bigger battery than is required. what you need. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't drain it as low, and then you'll get a lot more cycles out of it, and it'll last a lot. I think that's such an important point because I think a lot of South Africans. Uh, my friends and family included are looking to address the problem right now which is my route is going down um, and I need something to solve that problem right now and then they buy a, a, a power solution that only lasts for two hours uh, when we're in the midst of stage six which doesn't really help um, but I like that, I, that that advice that buy something more than what you need because I think that's that's such an important thing that a lot of people maybe don't realize yeah and uh, I mean the the other thing is 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 knowing whether or not to leave it plugged in mm. and i think the yeah the, the technology that we've seen in the first generation of our power stations only charge at a slower rate so they only charge at about 50 watts which yeah. means that if you are leaving that thing plugged in and you're drawing more than those 50 watts you're probably going to drain the battery right down yeah. to zero anyway and and so best practice uh, is to on the current lithium ion uh, power stations is to charge them up yeah. and have them ready and waiting for when load shedding kicks okay. in. Then unplug your mains yeah. uh, from uh, your plants from normal mains and into the uh, into the power station yeah. while it's load shedding. Ch- switch back. Switch back, charge the unit up again and get ready for the next power. Yeah. And um, and that's, that is that is a limitation on the current lithium-ion uh, power stations. Yeah. But the newer uh, lithium-ion phosphates allow for much faster charging. Yeah. And, uh, and 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 can also support a uh, UPS mode where you can effectively leave them uh, leave them in uh, I- into the mains for for an extended period of time and, and have a seamless switchover when load shedding occurs. So, uh, just just regarding that uh, faster charging, is that accomplished through like supercapacitors? How how is that being done at a? So, so it, it's basically bidirectional inverter now. Okay. Um, which is different to the current technology. Yeah. And, and that bidirectional inverter um, can convert AC to DC or backwards at the same time. Okay. Um, and you basically, where we were charging currently on the power stations at between 60 and 90 watts, we, we're up to on the big power stations, you, you can probably charge um, at half the wattage of the battery. So bigger power stations that wow. are coming in 3,600 watts will charge at 1,800 watts. And that would charge a device in under two hours. Yeah. So, so most of the new technology will, will charge within two hours, and that's a lot of power going into the devices. So, on the on the new power stations that we're bringing out on the bigger units, we've actually got a adjustment of the input wattage of charge. Oh wow! Okay. So if you were sitting in the studio like we are now, and you wanted to plug it into a plug here, but you've got yeah. an air conditioner running and you've got some other equipment, yeah. And that thing is going to charge at 1800 watts. You're probably going to trip your power. Yeah. So you can adjust it down and say, okay. Okay, you know what, let's only charge when we're charging it in this room. We'll charge it at 500 watts so we're not tripping our electricity yeah. all the time. I so think that's a... Bigger and bigger. Um, yeah, there, <laughs> there's a lot of power going into these units and that's when uh, you generate a lot of heat and that's when the cooling and everything becomes so important. So I think moving on from there, the next question is, when do I replace my units? So um, as you mentioned, the, the products are getting better and better, uh, but with load shedding being as pervasive as it is, eventually we're gonna get to a point where we're gonna have to replace our solution. So when is that time? How, like when would I know as an already consumer that, hey, this lithium phosphate battery is reaching its end of life, how would I know when that is happening? So obviously you're going to realize that you, before you've got four hours battery time mm. and suddenly you'll start noticing you're now down to three and a half, you're now down yeah. to three and, and when it becomes unusable. Um, 
the, the you know we, we've had units in the market now for about uh, two years on the mini yeah. units and those products and you, you're starting to get the customers now saying okay my charge is not holding as long uh, can I replace the batteries I mean that is an older product though right this is a couple of years old at this point sure it, it is but still on lithium yeah you know you, you're lucky that it is lasting uh, that amount of time okay so on the mini UPSs those are plugged in permanently into your power yeah okay so whether you're at home or you're not at home yeah. You're getting three cycles a day. Yeah. On a power station, you know, if you've got load shedding early in the morning, midday, and evening, you might be at work and only use one cycle yeah. of the power station evening. Okay. So, so we're seeing the usage of the mini UPSs a lot more in the power stations because you're being hit every single time. Okay. The problem is that the battery cost in these units is probably about 70 to 75% of the cost. Okay, so you might as well just replace the whole unit. We, we are looking into ways in the future to be able to replace battery banks. Mm. Uh, to replace the battery pack in the unit. Okay. But it, it's not easy because as you have advancements in units, yeah. you might have different models that have different batteries in Absolutely. It. But it is something that we're looking at long term uh, to be able to, to replace battery okay. packs inside these units. Okay. But probably worth just noting that after the rated number of cycles, yeah. it's not like the batteries just pack oh, yeah, up. Absolutely. You know, yeah. so, so what happens is it's rated to, to carry on that those watch hours for X number of cycles yeah. and once you reach that it then degrades to about 80% and then will continue degrading over time so okay. so it's not I, like a, a death sentence when it reaches 6,000 cycles oh I'm done now I give up no it's not like that it, it will continue to work just at a low rated watt hours correct or, and that's what I say rather, rather get a, a bigger size battery that you know in a year and a half time if you're at 80% or a little bit lower you're still going to lose four hours yeah so many of our customers are, are giving us the feedback they're not necessarily replacing the units when they stop working yeah but more as a convenience because it used to be okay to get through load shedding with the internet on maybe some emergency light bulbs and uh, being able to power the tv on but now actually it'd be quite nice to be able to use the air fryer or yeah. it'd be quite nice to to you know not have to bry every single yeah. night and or and just have the tv on permanently correct you know so so i think as as, as load shedding has become more onerous, the, you know, we're now regularly seeing stage six, um, many consumers are saying the solution I had was great when it was only stage two, maybe stage three, mm. but now I actually don't want to have to plan a week in advance what I'm going to cook for every single meal and make sure when in the day I'm going to cook it, yeah. but, but being able to, to, to plan accordingly. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, it's kind of unfortunate, but it also kind of I think it speaks to the uh, we'll get on with it attitude that South Africans have, right? It's uh, this is a massive inconvenience for everybody, but um, yeah, we just soldier on. And I, I assume that these these power stations, obviously, they're not just good for the home; they can be used by small businesses as well. It's a big focus of ours, okay. um, and uh, you know we we're very thoughtful that South Africa's success in our economy is driven by small business mm. and large business as we started off saying in this uh, in this chat like the the big businesses can afford to put a generator in they can afford to pay for the diesel or petrol every single week mm. the small businesses need a solution that's going to be able to keep the lights on let them continue trading and and um, and and what we what we're seeing is a big advancement now is is faster solar charging on the on the power stations as well so the ability to not only have an alternative power solution, but also to be able to use solar to carry the lights on, and and, and that that reduces operational costs for these businesses as well. 
Fantastic. So um, just to end off, uh, where can people find Gizu products? Where can they find out more? Um, where should they head? So pretty much all great retailers uh, will, will be stocking uh, Gizu. Um, there's also a uh, revamped gizu.co.za website that will be up and running in the next couple of weeks. Um, and that provides a lot of information um, a lot of uh, articles that just talk about usage and application and, and, and choosing the right models. Uh, but, you know, from Take Lots, Incredible Connection, Macro, Builders, Warehouse, a lot of the uh, hardware stores, um, I know Computer Mania's got them. And, you know, really our, 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 our mandate is to make sure that we solve the everyday needs of, of South Africans. Load shedding's not fun, but... <laughs> At least with a gizzy, you can have a smile on your face and get through it and, uh, and, and, and have as much fun. At least you can charge your phone, right? Totally. Yeah. I, and have the, the Wi-Fi on. I find that's like the best thing. It's just having the Wi-Fi on. It just makes it so much easier to get through load shedding. Fantastic, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, we'll have links to all Gizu's products and websites and Syntex uh, stuff at the bottom of this podcast, as always. Uh, but thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much. Stop fussing with aging lead-acid batteries and switch to a lithium-ion-powered portable power station from Gizu. Whether you're powering your router, a lamp, or a notebook, Gizu portable power stations have the product you need to keep you running. Shop solar lights, portable power stations, and more from Gizu on Take-A-Lot.